Randall's story. I was the golden child, the one who could seemingly do no wrong. Or at least, that was the image that I tried to cultivate. Because when I was less than the best, the consequences at home could be severe. So I stopped asking for help, and I started hiding the parts of me that were deemed weak. I put on a mask of perfection, and the weight of it would almost kill me. When I was 15, I discovered how to use drugs to disconnect from my painful reality. For the next 20 plus years, I would become a mad scientist of sorts, seeking to numb my suffering through substances. Feelings were deemed unhelpful and had to go. Productivity was prioritized, as I had come to believe that my worth was determined only by how much I could accomplish. I had to be golden, so I became an exceptionally high achiever. But I was also just exceptionally high all of the time. Alcohol was first. It was like a magic elixir that made being around people less scary. Marijuana was next. It could numb the pain of never feeling good enough. Finally, after I became a lawyer, I met my beloved amphetamines. They were the rocket fuel that could propel me to work insane hours so I could acquire all of the things that would finally make me feel like I was worthy. The problem was, even after I became the big success that I was groomed to be and procured all of the material things that I had been taught would make me whole, I felt utterly wretched and spiritually empty. I told no one what was going on. I stayed hidden because I thought they would reject me if they knew the real me. And, of course, I didn't want them to make me stop. Instead of looking inward, I blamed all the external things in my life. I tried changing jobs, but I still lacked purpose. And I was still a drug addict. Wherever I went, there I was. In April 2017, I was coaching my daughter's youth soccer game, and my toes started tingling. Better not tell anyone, I thought. They might realize I have a drug problem. But 72 hours later... I had a much bigger problem. The tingling spread to my entire body, and I became paralyzed from head to toe due to a rare autoimmune disease called Guillain-Barre syndrome. I was locked in my body and in a state of total isolation for about 40 days. I was on a ventilator and feeding tube and unable to communicate with anyone. I was completely aware of what was happening, but cut off from the rest of the world. I started experiencing psychosis and the traumas of my past and my fears for the future manifested as hallucinations and delusions. I was also going through withdrawals. I was in the realm of the hungry ghosts. I spent most days sincerely wishing I would die. Those 40 days changed my life. I experienced unimaginable physical, psychological, and emotional pain. It then took several months for me to be able to walk, talk, and take care of myself again. I promised myself that I would make the most of my second chance. And if my life had been a Hollywood movie, I would have learned my lesson. I would have quit for good. But that is not the way it works. Nothing outside of me was going to save me from what was happening internally. Deep within me, there was a demon of sorts, and it manifested as an impulsive and compulsive desire to avoid suffering via self-medicating. I started using again. My wife threatened to leave me and take our three beautiful ginger-haired girls if I did not get help. So, I finally went to treatment. At the rehab, they would load us on the druggy buggy and haul us off to a 12-step meeting every night. 
I learned a few helpful things, but the program did not resonate with me. I saw a lot of people who were clean, but they appeared to still be suffering greatly. I did not want to just stay sober. I wanted to cultivate a life I didn't want to escape from. I didn't want to feel powerless. I wanted to be empowered. One day my counselor asked me if I wanted to meet with a Buddhist chaplain. I don't know anything about Buddhism, I thought, but I'm bored, so why not? A friendly bald and bearded man appeared at the unit a few hours later. That afternoon I told him my life story, and he introduced me to Buddhism, focusing mostly on the first noble truth. In life, there is suffering. No shit, I thought to myself as I stared out the fifth floor window of the psych hospital. The Buddhist religion he described did not really seem like a religion at all to me. It seemed more like an ethical framework for living. He told me that there were recovery meetings that used Buddhist-inspired principles and practices. A few nights later, we were allowed to go to one. I walked in the room that night and people were smiling. They seemed to be at ease. The meditation started. I had only meditated once before in my life and it had not gone well. I was a speed freak after all. But something different happened this time. By the end of the sit, I felt this lightness in my chest. I could not figure out what it was at first, but I just allowed myself to be curious about it until I finally identified it. It was self-compassion. And it felt amazing. Like I was finally coming home and resting after an arduous journey. Upon leaving rehab, I immersed myself in the program. Soon, I was one of the regulars. I noticed that the people who served the most seemed to be the most at ease, so I started serving too. When COVID came, I started facilitating multiple meetings a week to stay connected. I began to realize that nothing could help me more than helping other people. So I just kept showing up and serving in positions with more and more responsibility. Eventually, I was elected president of the board of the global nonprofit and found purpose in protecting and promoting the program. I also kept helping my local sangha grow, and I still go to multiple meetings a week because that is where my wise friends are. That is where we heal together. The reality of my recovery was not a fairy tale where I lived happily ever after. When my addiction shifted to processes such as bulimia and over-exercising, I leaned into my program to establish wise boundaries and stop harming myself. Slowly, I started to make wiser choices and live with more balance. My goal was not to be golden or even happy anymore. It was just to be present, live with purpose, and suffer less. Recovery Dharma helped me tap into my Buddha nature. It armed me with an understanding of karma and taught me to plant seeds of self-compassion instead of self-destruction. Through meditation, I increase my ability to sit with emotional distress and cultivate positive mental states. Through inquiry work, I investigated the causes of my suffering and explored solutions. I used to wake up in despair and need substances to get out of bed and face reality. Now, I wake up early and meditate. I set intentions to follow the precepts and trust the process. I try to practice radical acceptance of myself, others, and reality. 
When I crave things to be different, I remember the truth of impermanence. When I'm in trouble, I ask for help from my wise friends. Thanks to Recovery Dharma, I am also a more empathetic partner and gentle father. My family no longer has to be the collateral damage of my implosive cycle. I practice wise speech with my wife and no longer hide my wounded parts. I teach my daughters about meditation and mindfulness, and I can already see how they are coping with stress at school in healthier ways. I am not better, though. Just better at being broken. My demons still appear to me on a daily basis. But when they do, I greet them with a smile and invite them to tea. I sit with them and ask them, what's really going on? And usually they answer, I don't want to feel this way. So I put my arm around them, and then I have the feelings because if I don't, they will have me. I don't have to do anything to fix them. I can just let them be. I also recognize that I am going to frequently fail. That's what humans do. So when I fall short, I try to be easy and gentle with myself because I am worthy of love and compassion. This is the truth recovery Dharma has taught me. And the beautiful thing is, you don't even have to believe that it's true. You just have to believe you have the potential to change and heal your life. And you will. Above all else, I try to stay present. At meetings, I listen attentively and stay with others through their pain. At home, I read books with my daughters and marinate in the sensation of joy. In these moments of pure presence, I sometimes remind myself that I didn't have to do anything to deserve this. Despite all of the addiction and trauma I've endured, I've been golden all along. 